This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Black History Month, we are going to be teaching white values like Star Wars. This black family can barely afford rent, but my administration is going to be giving each and every black Afro-Canadian family their very own lightsaber. That's right. If you are a black person, you will now receive your purple lightsaber in the mail, which is the preferred lightsaber of Afro-Canadians. We see the lightsaber as a lot safer than some of the other weapons that some people use during Black History Month, so stay safe on those streets, and remember to always use your lightsaber. <laughs> people i'm dave rubin this is the rubin report it is february 14th 2024 we are live streaming on rumble locals and youtube share subscribe tap that notification bell if you have not post game show as always rubinreport.locals.com and we are going to hit a couple stories up top today and then get to a community q a so if you want to get something in on the fly you can join right now it's absolutely free to join us on locals Couple bucks if you want to interact and get your thoughts directly to me and the team, get videos in advance, no ads, a whole bunch more, rubinreport.locals.com. I also want to wish everyone a happy Valentine's Day. Hope you're doing something with someone you love tonight. At least one of the things you like to do with someone you love. Hopefully that works out for you. Uh, and also, of course, today is Ash Wednesday. And although I am of the Jewish faith, we have decided that for Lent, uh, for the next 40 days, I'm going to give up something for Lent, and it's very—it's it's really a gift to you guys. This is this is a a Lent moment, but it's also a Valentine's Day, an extended Valentine's Day gift, let's say, for you guys. For the next 40 days on the Ruben Report program, what's 40 days out from now? Can I get the exact date? It'll be March 31st. I will not talk about Joy Reid on this show for 40 days. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. I am not even of the faith, but I am giving up Joy Reid for Lent for 40 days. Mazel tov to everyone, as they say. <laughs> uh, okay, we are gonna get to a community Q&A, but uh, I do wanna do a couple things up top because the House did impeach uh, that Mayorkas guy by one vote uh, yesterday, but I wanna start really with uh, John Stewart returning to The Daily Show. So we talked briefly about this a couple days ago, but John Stewart, who hosted The Daily Show for about 20 years, and the meme around John Stewart always and The Daily Show was that more young people get their news from John Stewart than from anywhere else. And people were very excited about that because he was a lefty. He was always calling Donald Trump and the Republicans racist and all that. Full disclosure, I interned at The Daily Show in 1999. It was only a few months after John took over. Craig Kilborn from ESPN was the host of the original Daily Show. The show was very different under John. Uh, they were, there was a lot of turnover there because they were getting rid of writers and everything else. But at the beginning when I was there in 99, it was like they didn't even know if the show was gonna last a season. It was not the institution that The Daily Show became. In any event, it became a huge, huge cultural phenomenon. Obviously, I had a couple nice interactions with John, so I'm not gonna attack him personally or anything else. 
Um, but over the years, it kind of went more left and more left and more left and more left. He stepped down around 2016, so around right when uh, the first Trump presidency was going. They've handed it to a couple people since then. Trevor Noah was the, the main one. It just has no relevance anymore, right? So over the last couple, two years, they've had all these guest hosts. Nothing's really going on with it, but they're finally bringing John back. And I am mentioning this because I think this is sort of a bellwether moment for how the media and how the machine works. Uh, you guys remember what, it was about two years ago when Jon Stewart went on the Colbert show and Colbert used to be a daily show correspondent under Jon Stewart, interestingly. Uh, he went on the Colbert show and said that it might be a Wuhan lab leak, right? Cause it was the Wuhan lab of virology and blah, blah. And then suddenly mainstream the next day, everyone in mainstream suddenly could say that the Wuhan leak might've come from a lab, that COVID might've come from a lab. So the media uses certain people and certain shows as kind of airlocks for ideas. And I think Jon Stewart is one of those people. It just kind of is what it is. So anyway, John came back. It's no longer, they're, they're continuing to call it The Daily Show, but they know people aren't gonna really watch it and it's not gonna be profitable. And he just had a massive failure of a show on Apple TV. I think he was making around 15 mil a year for this show that nobody watched. And we showed you a couple clips of it where he went all in on the trans stuff and the woke stuff and everything else. Anyway, they're bringing the show back. It's no longer a daily show. It is a weekly show called The Daily Show. And it's very clear to me by the first episode, his first monologue on the show, they've brought him back so that they can start showing Joe Biden the door. Uh, last week, obviously Thursday night, that was there was the disastrous press conference. This idea that Biden is not right in the head is now proliferating throughout mainstream. It's finally bubbling up out of the internet into mainstream, and John is now there to do it. So uh, I just wanna show you two clips from this thing. Uh, here's John Stewart going after Biden pretty hard uh, on mental acuity and just how everyone is defending this guy when it really at this point is undefensible. Now Democrats will say that any criticism like this especially if Biden is unfair because you just don't know Biden like they know Biden. President Biden, who I've been around uh, numerous times just in this last year, is sharp, he's focused, he's bright. He is sharp, intensely probing and detail oriented and focused. This is a man who is sharp, who is on top of his game, who knows what's going on. He's smart, he's on his game. I was in almost every meeting with the president and the president, was in front of and on top of it all, coordinating and directing leaders who are in charge of America's national security, not to mention our allies around the globe. Did anyone film that? <laughs> If you're telling us behind the scenes he is sharp and full of energy and on top of it and really in control and leading, you should film that. <laughs> that would be good to show to people instead of a TikTok where he goes, chicken, chicken, okay. All right, credit where credit's due. I disagree with the guy on a lot of politics, but that's funny and it's true, right? Like that's the beautiful thing. If you say something true and you can make people laugh, then people will tune in. So the point is now there's a whole bunch of people running cover for Biden, but you have to understand this was the first episode of the return of Jon Stewart. And they went out of their way, not just to do all the, the low hanging stuff and go after Trump and the racist Republicans and all of that stuff, which we'll get to that in just a second, 
but to go after Biden first. So what I am trying to lay out here is that the machine is showing you, sometimes, what do I always say, truth is a time release pill. Sometimes the machine shows you how it's going to start operating and it's going to start operating by taking out both Biden and Trump. So here's Stewart doing more of the easy stuff, which is just going after Trump. Look, Joe Biden isn't Donald Trump. He hasn't been indicted as many times, hasn't had as many fraudulent businesses or been convicted in a civil trial for sexual assault or been ordered to pay defamation and had his charities disbanded or stiffed a shit ton of blue collar tradesmen he'd hired. <laughs> Should we even get to the grab the pussy stuff? Probably not. But the stakes of this election don't make Donald Trump's opponent less subject to scrutiny. It actually makes him more subject to scrutiny. If the barbarians are at the gate, you want Conan standing on the ramparts, not chocolate chip cookie guy. Okay, so there's something interesting happening here, right? You gotta understand, this is produced by Viacom, which owns CBS, they brought this guy back. Like, this is not just randomly we're deciding what to talk about on episode one of The Return. They're going after Biden more, in a weird way, more than they're going after Trump. Now, I have no doubt that he's gonna continue to go after Trump and all the little jokes and all of that's just fine, right? You go after anybody. But what the genesis, of, what, the real, um, what the real meat of this thing is, is that they are, he is making it okay for now good liberals to start going after Joe Biden because they know that they've basically now got till August to figure out how to get rid of him so that they can do some delegate move at the convention, if Biden even makes it that long, and who knows if he will. Now, interestingly, because John did kind of call it fair there to some degree by going after both of them, uh, the mainstream media is not that thrilled with him because he's supposed to just carry water for the Dems. Here's a headline from Rolling Stone. Liberals are not laughing about Jon Stewart's jabs at Joe Biden. Democrats who only remember The Daily Show host as a fierce critic of conservatives had a rude awakening on the return to his program. And I just wanna follow up with one tweet that I had about it because I just, this is the part, if you screenshot something from today's show, to show to a friend that's a little behind on where things are at. I really think this is what time it is. The system is pushing out Jon Stewart to frame the new narrative. It's not that Joe Biden is senile, it's that he and Donald Trump are too old. Two birds with one stone. Now watch as this is pushed across mainstream media nonstop. So I really think that is the key part of all of this that they will not really make this about Joe Biden's senility anymore. It'll just start being that he's too old, and by the way, Donald Trump's only four years younger, and he's too old, and he fudges things sometimes too. And by the way, there is a lot of truth to that. It would be nice if we had a president that, I don't know, say was 45 to maybe 65. Wouldn't that be refreshing? Maybe had younger children, had a little more skin in the game, hadn't been part of the swamp or part of the machine for decades and decades. That is all true, but I'm just showing you how the new meme is going to operate throughout the system. And I think, in a weird way, they are going to sacrifice Joe Biden at the altar of getting rid of Trump. They're gonna to try to figure out, they obviously have plans to figure out how to get rid of Trump and delay Trump in the trials, removing him from ballots, but Biden may be the one to pay the price. So I, I, he's dead man walking one way or another with these guys. But the point is they can't hide it anymore. I think that's really what's going on here. The confusions, the muttering, the stammering, the wandering off. So he gave this uh, speech with the, pre the, uh, the king of Jordan and just like watch this and tell me this gives you any confidence in the president, the office of the presidency, the executive branch, the United States, any of it, please. Your majesty, over to you.
Mr. Mr. President. I mean, what do I have to add to that, right? Like, but they will continue to run cover and we'll show you some examples of that. But the, the stiff hands, the stiff gait, that is a sign of some cognitive stuff. It always feels like he's gonna fall over. He's looking at the floor because they've obviously given him instructions where to stand and he looked and it wasn't right. Then he moved over there, then he went back, like all of it. You guys get all of it, but watch how the machine runs cover for him. And this is why I will give John, uh, John Stewart credit where credit is due. When he calls out Mayorkas for going on these shows and saying how sharp the president is and Kamala Harris, and why didn't you put any of it on video? Watch the way Joe Scarborough over at the televised mental institution defends Joe Biden. It's just like they don't want you to see what you can see right in front of your eyes. It's uh, John Heilman, we've seen examples over and over again of Donald Trump just losing it on stage here. And you, you, you had the whole political world come to a stop. First of all, because for some reason you had the guy, uh, the special counsel asking, hey, um, what, uh, what year did, did your son die? And supposedly he didn't remember what year his son died. And, and this was the most damning thing. I said this yesterday and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just older people. We've, we've lived a busy and active life, but nobody's closer to me. Nobody's been closer to me in my life than my mom. If somebody asked me in the middle of the deposition, what year did your mom die? I go, I don't know, 2017, 2018, 2019. I don't know. I can tell you everything about it. Huh. It's actually gross listening to him. First off, I'll just start with when he says uh, Scarborough. Oh, by the way, the guy he's talking to, John Heilman there, that's the guy who was on Real Time with Bill Maher when Russell Brand just like absolutely annihilated him and said that MSNBC lies as much as Fox and you guys are all part of it and blah, 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 blah. And then John Heilman blocked me on Twitter because I retweeted the clip. Anyway, uh, Joe Scarborough starts by saying that, he, that we've all seen John, Donald Trump lose it on stage. He jokes around on stage, he says silly things, he goes off prompter and everything else. We haven't seen him completely have no idea where he is. Yeah, he's, he's screwed up a name every now and again or anything else, but we all just know these things are not equal. Yes, they are both kind of old, 77 Donald Trump, 81 Joe Biden, but the, the, the mental acuity there, it's just not on the same plane. That, that's number one. Number two, this dismissiveness of knowing when his son died or the years around these things. You know, it's fortunately my parents are still here, but I remember when all of my grandparents uh, died. I remember in 1983 because I know I was in second grade when my grandpa Artie died. I remember that. I remember hearing it. I remember when my second grade teacher gave me a card. I remember when my great grandma Lily died in 1995 because I was at her apartment for the last time thinking it was going to be the last time and then there was the NBA playoffs that year and I was watching the Rockets versus the Suns. Like you remember certain things for certain reasons. Like Anyway, you guys all get all that, but the point is, why is he running this ridiculous cover? He doesn't remember when his mother died, it was 2017, 2018. That's when you're in the news, like your whole life is organized by events. Like you should have particular reason to know why. Anyway, let's put all of that aside for just one moment and talk about the border real quick because there was a huge uh, moment last night uh, because uh, Mayorkas has been impeached. That's right, tweet here from Colin Rugg, breaking. The U.S. House of Representatives votes to impeach Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas for failing at his duty to secure the southern border. The vote was 214 to 213 with three Republicans voting against. Remember their names, Mike Gallagher of Wisconsin, Tom McClintock of California, Ken Buck of Colorado. So look, we will see, this will get to the Senate. We'll see what happens in the Senate. He probably doesn't get hit by the Senate, the Senate, which is 
almost in a complete deadlock, but of course Kamala Harris would have a tying vote anyway. So nothing probably happens out of this. Mayorkas has been an absolutely disastrous uh, head of the Department of Homeland Security. He, for months and months and months, told us that there was no emergency. Now they're admitting that there is an emergency, but they're blaming it on Trump, the constant lying and obfuscation of what's going on. You know, I guess if I was to have any sympathy with the guy, it's that he's just doing what he's being instructed to do. Well, of course, that's what the Nazis did too. Well, I was just doing what I was told to do. Um, so you get it, you get it. It's good that it's finally bubbling up a bit more, the incompetence around the border, and it's good that people are waking up to it and realizing that that one party is a bit at least more at fault than the other party. I wanna show you this incredible video uh, from yesterday because Robert F. Kennedy Jr. went down to the border uh, and talk to a border agent about what's going on and how Biden intentionally started doing this on day one. Biden took over. He declared the, the southwest border a non, non-emergency, which shut down all the um, developments here on the border. Just to get this straight, this part of the fence was built by the Obama administration. The new mo- yeah, this is a model from the Obama administration. And then President Trump uh, purchased all this material. Huge piles, a mile of material here to complete the fence over that hill, and you can see the ditch, you can see the cut. And the day that he took office, uh, President Biden issued an order shutting down construction, and all of this material now is. This is a very small percentage of the material still left. The majority of it, 90%, has been shipped out and sold as salvage. Salvage, yep. Top of the hill. Come down, there's a tree to the left. That's where the scout system is. We'll see every day. Cartel scout. He directs the traffic across. Is there a cartel scout up there right yeah. now? Yeah, he's up there right now. I guarantee oh. Remember yesterday I quoted Ron DeSantis who often says decline is a choice. Well, you're seeing what the choice is right there. As a nation, we have chosen by who we elected president to not protect our border. And we're scrapping the material. The material's literally sitting right there. It's going to junkyards now. It's going to, it's going to be sold off. So the, the interesting thing of that and why I showed you that video in particular is that RFK was a freaking Democrat and he is not anymore. If he wants to make the move, RFK, I'm telling you right now, the move is you take over the Libertarian Party. You get on all 50 ballots. Let's see what happens there. He's not a Democrat because he cares about the country anymore and he sees the radicalism of the Democrats. But of course, because the Democrats have the media behind them, they can go on television shows and lie about who the real radicals are. Here is House Minority Leader Democrat Hakeem Jeffries uh, calling Greg Abbott, well, basically some of the worst stuff you could possibly be called. Let's talk about border security. While I understand that you find the maneuver offensive, do you not see that the move by Governor Abbott of Texas uh, to bus migrants two Democratic-leaning cities such as New York or Chicago or Denver, that while you might think it's cruel, it has been effective at demonstrating how this influx, influx of migrants has sapped social service resources and demonstrated that this is a real crisis. Do, do, you, th- do you agree with that? Well, Governor Abbott is an embarrassment and a human trafficker. But besides uh, his political gamesmanship, I do think it's important for all of us, Democrats and Republicans, to recognize that we have a broken immigration system. We do need to address the challenges at the border, and it should be done in a manner that is comprehensive and bipartisan. That will be the only way 
uh, to solve this problem. We're in a period of divided government. There's so much. First off, yes, Greg Abbott is an embarrassment and a human trafficker. If you were worried about human trafficking, you'd actually be closing down the border and only letting people in at the specified places that they can be processed properly and everything else. So you could figure out who the actual human traffickers are, right? Because people are coming over with children and they're bringing fentanyl and everything else. Greg Abbott is doing exactly what uh, the people of Texas voted him in to do, which is defend the state of Texas. And if the federal government will not do their job on the border, then he's gonna go ahead and do it. And by the way, Hakeem Jeffries, you lovely, tolerant, diverse, wonderful, just spectacular Democrats, you guys are the ones that have sanctuary cities. So did you mean it when you decided to make sanctuary cities and sanctuary states and said everybody come? Did you mean it or not? Were you guys nice or not? Are you suddenly realizing that maybe you're just not that bright? Could it be? Could it be that you guys are actually the embarrassment? Can we send that guy a mirror? Let's send that guy a mirror. He also looks like a white guy pretending to be a black guy pretending to be a white guy, which is sort of interesting, but anyway. Uh, this obviously is not going anywhere. We'll see what happens in the Senate, and uh, I think the the long story short of all of this is Mayorkas, who deserves to go down, it's deeply connected to Biden, who was the one that was guiding the policy, and really whoever's pulling Joe Biden's strings, because he ain't really the one writing all of it. Uh, all right, let's get to a rubinreport.locals.com community Q&A. If you wanna get questions in on the fly, you can right now. Brock, you're on the computer on the internet. Brock is on the internet as we speak. If you wanna get something in on the fly, uh, let me talk to you guys about Gravity Defier Shoes real quick. Guys, I wanna tell you about something that's been making my days a whole lot easier. Gravity Defier Shoes. These shoes are something else. Everyone knows I'm a fan of comfortable footwear, but these shoes take it to a whole new level. More than just shoes, they are basically clouds for your feet. I'm not kidding, in a double blind study by Olive View, UCLA Medical Center and published in the Journal of the American Podiatric Medical Association, participants experienced 85% less knee pain. It's the most powerful shock absorption system put into a shoe. Gravity Defier has patented VersoShock technology. It's like a mini trampoline in your shoes, whether you're strolling through the park, running errands, or even just lounging at home, these shoes have got your back, or I should say your feet. Even better, they're stylish. You get both comfort and style that looks good and feels great. And here's a little extra love for our listeners. Use discount code RUBEN30 for an exclusive $30 off Orders $150 or more. Yes, you heard it right. A little gift from GDefy to your feet. Experience the miracle that is GDefy, where comfort meets innovation. And now, back to me. Lacey says, uh, Dave, you mentioned you drive a Tesla. Do you have other smart technologies in your home? And as convenient as they are, do you have any concerns about them? Uh, so yeah, we have, we have two Teslas. We ha have had a Tesla, a Model X, for about five years or so. I absolutely freaking love it. It never has problems. It's just beautiful to drive and functional and clean and simple and everything else. We, we never had two cars until about a year ago. We got another one, obviously with kids, it gets a little more complex to only have one car. Um, yeah, the Tesla is just, it's just a beautiful piece of machinery and I know it's not cheap, uh, but I think it's worth saving a little bit of money and, and seeing if you can get one. We, we happen to lease both of ours, I didn't even buy them. Um, because I think that, you know, obviously they're gonna upgrade technology over the years, even though the old ones uh, still are, are worth an awful lot. Uh, as for the rest of the house, yeah, we're, we're in a smart home situation. We have nothing with microphones. I don't have Alexa, we don't have Celexa or Cylindrica or any of those people in the house. I don't like any of that. I don't talk to anybody to turn the lights on, but we do have a system that like runs the house. So lights go on at a certain time, lights go off. 
controls the AC and everything. I'm always leery about all of that stuff. And at some point it's like, how much can you fight city hall, right? Like, so is it is it possible that the system that we use, I'm not even gonna say the name of the system. I, I actually don't love the system. I find them all very, there's a whole, there's a series of them that you might choose. There's like Apple HomeKit, there's Control 4, there's, um, what are some of the other like house controlling? System. Yeah, there's Google Nest or Mesh. Or, there's just all of these things. And it just means that all of your stuff, so does like somebody somewhere know what temperature I can keep my house at and when I turn my lights on and what temperature I'm keeping the pool at. Yeah, and is that a little bizarre, I suppose. And, you know, weird things happen. So I don't love all that. But the, I think the, the microphones mainly is the thing. But then again, we're all walking around with a microphone in our pocket at all times. So it's all, it's all very weird. But even like the camera system, we've got, we've got a great security system here. So I've got like, I don't know, probably 30 cameras around the house. But like the idea that there are cameras, I'm very leery about cameras in the house because who the hell could hack into that thing, watch you? Like it just, it's all, it's all kind of weird, but it, it's just a sign of the times. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Uh, Crafty says, hey Dave, what are your thoughts on losing the House this November? So many GOP members are not running for re-election. Yeah, my gut feeling is the Republicans will lose the House. That is my gut feeling. You know, there was a, an election yesterday. Oh, wh wh you know, why don't we show you a little video of something? So I, I saw this clip going around. So there was an election yesterday in a couple of districts. Uh, one of the districts actually was my home district in Long Island. Uh, and of course the Republicans did go ahead and lose it, which is a freaking damn shame because Long Island was really trending red. Uh, it was in large part what led to, um, what's his name from New York? Uh, no, sorry, who, uh, who ran against Hochul? Um, Lee, Zeldin. Uh, Lee Zeldin, sorry. Uh, it was one in large part one of the areas that really helped Lee Zeldin get as close to Hochul as possible. Uh, but uh, anyway, the Republicans lost the seat there. Dana Bash covered it on CNN, and I, I want you to listen to this analysis because I referenced something about this a couple days ago. I heard from voters that they were very, now these are obviously um, very well-informed voters, right. but they were, they were at the polling station, they were voting early, and several of them said to me that they don't uh, want to vote for the Republican because it's clearly impossible to get a solution on the issue of immigration. They said border, uh, the border problem, the immigration issue, uh, the migrant issue in their district was the top issue for them. And that the fact that Republicans killed that bipartisan deal uh, put them over the edge to vote for Tom Swasey and immigration was their top issue. So Okay, so Tom Swasey is the Democrat who was a congressman from uh, Long Island like a decade ago who now has won again. Uh, but the reason I'm showing you that clip is this is exactly what I was talking about last week when we were in D.C. The, the bipartisan deal which failed, which was a horrible deal because we have all of the laws in place to close the border and everything else. 
Um, it was fairly obvious to me that the fight really was not about the bipartisan deal. The fight was about how it was going to be framed after. And whether Dana Bash just made that up or not, whether she actually talked to people who said that or not, is a moot point. You can see how they're framing it, sort of like the Jon Stewart thing. The framing is, oh, you see, the Republicans didn't sign on to that bipartisan deal, and that's why I'm not going to vote for Republicans. So Republicans really are the bad guys. And as I said last week, and you can put a pin in this, when something horrible happens, something unspeakable related to terrorism or a shooting or whatever, because if it's an illegal immigrant that does this before the election, the meme is out there already. This, it will be the exact same thing Dana Bash just said right there. Well, you know, the Democrats did want to do something about the border. They had a bipartisan deal and you guys impeached Mayorkas and you didn't sign the bipartisan deal. So it's your fault, Republican. So it's just another one of those things where I think knowing how the media operates and how the narrative is crafted, that's just like something that will help keep you sane. Uh, Shane says, uh, did David join you to see Frankie Valli at the Hard Rock? Frankie Valli is still an amazing artist and performer. I'm happy that you were able to actually meet him backstage. Dreams do come true. So yes, we saw Frankie Valli last week. I think we've got one of him in concert. First of all, we got them both side by side. So yeah, we were like 10 rows back. We had, we had absolutely awesome seats. The guy's 89 years old. He goes up there. They do about an hour and 45 minute concert. They, they don't take a break. He's up there the absolute entire time. He's, he's just wonderful. And then as I said on the show the other day, I got to meet him backstage after which he's, he's truly like one of my like lifelong heroes who I've wanted to meet forever. You all know the story about how I tried to get him to come to my birthday party and it just didn't work out. And I was so depressed. And that morning I literally bumped into him at the supermarket. I told him a story. It was, it was just great. But when you see the energy of a guy, 89 years old, and, and if you just, if you watch Jersey Boys or you just love that music, like everybody in that theater was absolutely having a blast in the middle of it, completely non sequitur out of nowhere. He starts going off on the Democrats and Nancy Pelosi, which was great. People started chanting USA, USA. It was just great. Oh, and to answer your question, yes, David did come with me. He doesn't get out much with the kids these days. We, the two of us just don't, we just don't get out that much, but you know, we, we got a good situation over here, uh, but it was nice to, to get away for a couple hours and yeah, he had a blast. And, and if you haven't been to the hard rock Hollywood here in Florida, it's the giant guitar shaped building and it's a it's an awesome casino i'm not a big gambler we we threw away like a 100 bucks or something uh, but they've got like seven or eight fantastic restaurants they've got great pools there there's something about casinos like for a couple hours that i just even if i'm not gambling i just like the energy of it everyone you know you have people walking around in tuxedos and you have people walking around in tank tops and they're all mixing and mingling you just see people as they are in a casino. There's something about it I really dig. Uh, all right, CP says, here's a question I know you're not gonna respond to and question further. All right, let's see about that. Why does Isabel Brown defend TikTok so strongly? If you don't respond on the show, maybe respond through other methods, maybe push Isabel. So you guys know I do uh, our second show, People of the Internet, Monday through Thursday at 1 p.m. on the computer there uh, with Isabel Brown as my as my co-host on that. And we just go through like the viral clips of the day and she selects the clips. I don't know what we're doing beforehand. And usually I'd say probably, I don't know, maybe three quarters of the clips are from TikTok. We've actually discussed this a couple times on this show and on that show. You know, there's this issue around TikTok, whether it actually is Chinese spyware, and there's a lot of evidence of that, and that they're mining our data, and that TikTok, they don't have TikTok in China, there's another version of it, but basically the information that kids are getting on their version of it is very different. They're learning about engineering and how to do things and create things, and our kids are learning that their penises are vaginas and a whole bunch of other nonsense, and that is a problem. 
Is it, I don't want to speak for Isabel, but you know what? I will bring it up. We'll bring it up on uh, people in the internet later today. So if you tune in at one, I will bring up the question with her. Um, her argument is you have to go largely what her argument is. And Vivek made a similar argument, by the way, during the debates, is you have to go to where young people are one way or another. And if you can get some people to wake up on that platform, that is a net good. I think she would acknowledge there is a trade-off when it comes to data privacy and everything else. But we also know that we've lost an awful lot related to data privacy on Facebook and Instagram and elsewhere. So I don't want to speak for her, but if you tune in later today, I will ask her directly. Uh, Shelly says, hey Dave, uh, when you and David decided to get married, who initiated this conversation as to the particular events such as when and where? Also, do you and David have matching wedding rings? The ring you wear on the live stream is spectacular. Well, it's the only ring I got. I don't wear any jewelry or anything else. I don't even wear, I've been thinking about getting a watch but I've never worn jewelry or anything. This is the one ring we have. Yeah, we have matching rings. Uh, I selected the rings. As for when and where for the wedding, so our families had been living all over the place. Parents and um, siblings and uh, nieces and nephews were all in different parts of the country and some in other countries. And we were like, you know what? This might be the one chance to really get everybody under the same roof. So we rented a house. We didn't want to do a huge wedding thing. Anyway, I, I never really thought I was gonna get married for a series of reasons. Um, but we were like, you know what, let's just get our family, meaning parents or grandparents, whoever's left, uh, siblings and children and each one friend and let's get everybody under one roof for a week. So we rented a house in Sonoma in wine country. We got everybody there. I think it was six nights. We got married on the fifth night uh, and we had a lot of wine and it was beautiful weather and we played some tennis and some garden games and we went, you know, we went to the wineries and all that stuff and everybody got to know each other and eat great food. And uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty perfect. Uh, Eva says, hey Dave, I'm seeing more targeted advertisements and articles on social media telling people why Wyoming is one of the best places to visit, live, and retire. Do you think this is part of a bigger plan to get more left-leaning people spread to red states? Ugh. Well, possibly. It might be that Wyoming is like, boy, you know, we do have an awful lot of land here. We've done it right, and we are realizing that you know, people are willing to come and, and help us build out our state and all of that, you know, largely we know, we know that the most people in the last three years have moved to Florida about, I think it's like 1.3 million or so. Uh, we know that a huge amount of people have moved to Texas and to Tennessee and South Dakota and some of the other states. Idaho has taken a ton of people as well. I think Wyoming has taken a whole bunch. Um, could it be part of a grand conspiracy? Can we just send these blue state confused gender queer weirdos everywhere and then we'll just take over everything? I suppose it could. My hope is, uh, and even right now, I have a friend that's uh, selling a house in Jersey and he's making the move down here to Florida and he put his house up for like two days and it was all people from New York and Cali. Uh, I think he's in contract right now with someone from Cali who didn't even see the house. They just did it on Skype because people want to get the hell out of there. Um, so is it a grand conspiracy to send all the people? Hopefully not. Hopefully it's just Wyoming being like, hey, we've done it right. We've got land. We see the people uh, want to maybe move here and, and find a better way to live or at least vacation here and then you don't vote. So that's pretty good. So, but I, but I don't know what could really fully be driving it. Kara says, hey Dave, I have two teenagers, one a year away from graduating, the other a year after. I was brainwashed by the narrative that going to college is the only way until a few years ago. Now I'm trying to convince my kids of the same thing. Do you have any advice on what kind of path to follow if not college? What would you tell your kids when they do inevitably grow up way too fast? Oh man, well, 
I mean, mostly right now we're dealing with uh, eating banana too fast. That's a, that's a big problem we have in this house. We take them for a walk, I mash up some banana and you know, just trying to get them to, we wanna give them as much autonomy as possible to eat the banana at their own leisure as opposed to just pour, pouring it in, but we're working on that. So you know, all these things happen in steps. Look, as for the college thing, um, you just don't need to send your kids to college, but having that conversation, as I'm sure you're having with your kids right now, where it's like all their friends are going, they want the years of partying and experimenting and craziness and all that, like, and maybe they have some, you know, educate, education related goal in mind as well, possibly. Um, it's just not necessary. I would say maybe, yeah, I mean, look into a trade school. What my hope, uh, here, I'll do it this way. What my hope would be, my kids aren't gonna go to college for, or be that age, you know, another 17 or so years, uh, is that we'll have saved some money, we're setting aside some money every year. We, we met with our business managers, they're like, do you guys wanna do a college fund? I'm like, I'm not sending these kids to college. Why would I send my kid to a place to become a Hamas terrorist? Like, that doesn't sound great. So what I would rather do is set some money aside over the years. Hopefully we do as much right as we possibly can in the next 16 or so years. And then when they're out of high school, maybe you can help them travel for a little bit so they get that kind of on their own experience or just take a, take a year, live in New York City, get an odd job, but we'll help you with the apartment. Not New York City, I wouldn't even want to send them to New York, but you get the point. Figure out a way to help them do something for like a year or, or what do you really want to do? Can I help you get an apprenticeship? Or you know you wanna you wanna be a chef? Uh, can I maybe throw in some money so that you could start a restaurant? Like, I just think there's a lot of other different ways, but there's very few things you need to go to college for. Yeah, if you're going to be an engineer, you're going to be a doctor. There are certain things, but the the liberal arts degrees don't really work. They don't make sense. It gets you into debt. And I can imagine being a Gen Z kid right now, and you get out of college. Now you're 22. You had a degree in underwater lesbian basket weaving, and you're going, man, I can't get a job with this freaking thing. No offense, Connor. I know that was your degree, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're not. You're not feeling well today. I'm taking shots at you. That's not right. Con uh, well, Phoenix was the underwater lesbian basket weaver. He didn't even. Get, he dropped out of college. That's the point. Look at him. Uh, Chipster says, as I look into a home generator, I was wondering if your home has one. Yes, uh, we put one in. We actually the house did not have one, which a, a lot of houses in Florida obviously do because we're very uh, storm prone here, especially in Southern Florida. Um, so we did put one in and I had uh, Adi check it, uh, just so you know, ours is a Generac. It's G-E-N-E-R-A-K. It's a Generac home generator. And you know, we have, we're not on gas here, so we had to bring in a big ass propane tank. And you know, my guy comes and checks it every week, make, you, know, you run it just to make sure it's working. And every now and again, fortunately in the, in the over two years that we've been living in Florida, we have not had a hurricane here in Miami, but that's just a matter of time till we do. We have had some pretty intense storms and we've lost power a couple times here and there. Um, but I can assure you guys that our home generator is connected not only to the home, but also to the studio. So when the big one comes, we will be in here doing the Rubin Report. But yes, it, it's worth having, it's worth having, especially just, there's so many weird things happening in the world right now, like having a home generator, being able to grow some food, having a gun, like some basic stuff, so that even if there were just three days of weirdness, it might be a lot more than that, but even if there were just three days of weirdness, no power, you don't know what's going on with the police, this, that, the other thing, you have some ability to, to live a functioning life. Uh, Amy says, where are some places in Florida that you haven't visited yet, but are on your near future bucket list visit? Believe it or not, I have not been up to the Panhandle. 
And I know it's absolutely beautiful up there and I know people love the beaches up there. I know there's some more land inland if you wanted to actually buy some affordable land in Florida, which is getting a little bit trick, tricky. I've always wanted to go to Pensacola. I have never been to Pensacola, but if you remember the movie Contact, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, the only work of fiction written by the great uh, science communicator Carl Sagan, uh, at the beginning of the movie, uh, young Ellie Arroway, who the adult is played by Jodie Foster, she, uh, she communicates with someone over the radio, a, a trucker, and she's trying to figure out how far can she communicate with the trucker, and she reaches somebody in Pensacola, Florida. And then at the end of the movie, when she gets in touch with the aliens, I don't want to tell you too much, they recreate Pensacola for her. So I feel that I should go to Pensacola, Florida. A cat says, if you have to write a Star Wars sequel or spinoff, what would the plot be? Would, re would you reuse any of the classic characters? Ugh. Oh, that is tough. Uh, you know, the last three, they just mangled it so, they've mangled it so badly that, you know, you know a trilogy is bad when you ruin even the decent one, when the subsequent ones ruin the originals. So meaning that The Force Awakens, which was number seven, it was the first of the, the new three, was not terrible. I actually thought it was quite good and they, it had some of the old feel, they reset the story. It was, yes, it was derivative of the original, of course, but like it kind of worked and they had to do an awful lot, right? Like they had to reset a series that had been crapped on and people didn't like the prequels, which I liked. And as I always say, they're getting better as time goes on. And I think if you, if you haven't watched this, the prequels in a while, especially with the lens of what's going on politically in the world right now, uh, you really should, putting aside Jar Jar Binks and everything else. Uh, but then what happened was the, the second one, Last Jedi, they bring in, um, what's his name, Ryan Johnson. He's just terrible and I don't think the guy liked Star Wars. He wrecks it. JJ comes in, tries to fix it, but the last one was just like, ah, just make up a whole bunch of shit, just get us to the end so we can be done with this thing. Um, would I bring in some of the old characters. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Star Wars is the, people love Star Wars because of nostalgia. It reminds them of something. And that was one of the tricky things that the new ones had to do. How can we take Han Solo and Chewbacca and C-3PO and bring them into this new world? They killed Han, which was, actually, I thought that scene was spectacular. And then, you really don't know what's gonna happen as it's happening, it's a great moment. Um, but they kind of crapped all over C-3PO, they didn't know what to do with Chewbacca, but could you take something from the old stuff? Because then it also becomes, you know, then they start doing stuff, they just throw it at you. So in the last one, when they bring back Lando Calrissian and you're like, all right, now they brought in Lando, how about some, I don't know how you do it. I don't know, I really genuinely don't know how you fix the series. It's so mangled and, and whacked out. Brock, you want to write a, a Star Wars treatment with me? All right, Brock and I will write a Star Wars treatment. We'll have it done by the, by Monday. He's got some things to do this weekend. We're, we're on it though. Uh, Casey says, should we get rid of daylight saving time? I think yes, what say you? Yeah, I, well look, I'm down here in Florida. We have a lot of sunshine. We have long days. We're closer to the equator. I get the original intent of it and to max out daytime for everybody. But it, yeah, I think you could basically get rid of it. It would be just fine. Elizabeth says, what's your favorite wild animal? Well, Elizabeth, you're, this is gonna come to, as no surprise to you, but the gator, the gator. I love gators. Um, I love seeing them here in Florida. Like, they're just awesome. I went to Gatorland when I was a kid and they had, they had live chickens. I cannot imagine that they do this anymore. I'm sure they don't do this. But when I went as a kid, I was probably about 10 years old. So it's probably 1986. We started in Disney and then we went to Gatorland. And at Gatorland, they had this giant pool of gators, like, I don't know, 50 gators, and they hung live chickens by their feet. 
and the chickens are going bananas and gators flying out of the water, crushing them, blood and body parts flying all over the place. I like that kind of thing. Kemper, as a budding homesteader, what are your three favorite things to grow in your garden? So we're still putting together our, our bigger garden right now, which I'm super psyched about. I'm hoping that by uh, next week, it'll be complete and it's about 15 feet by 40 feet and we're gonna be doing some lettuces. I'm trying to see if we can work uh, potatoes in there, but I know that that might be a little complex with the space that we have. Um, we're doing, we've already got a bunch of citrus and we've got papayas and we've got an awesome avocado tree that's like a hundred year old tree that we've had to restore and feed a lot and do a lot of trimming on because it was kind of left in uh, disrepair. We've got a lot of mangoes down here, so we have a great mango tree. Um, mostly I wanted, I want to do lettuces. The kids love strawberries. Strawberries take a lot of space. So we'll do lettuces, strawberries, and probably broccoli, I think will be the big three. Tomatoes are a little hard in Florida because of the humidity. You have to really be trimming them all the time because they need air to go through. Otherwise they get all kinds of funguses and a bunch of other stuff. Um, but I will, I will post some pictures in locals when it's complete and we'll, uh, we'll let you know. Uh, Wind says, hey Dave, have you ever been to Gaza? Do you plan to visit? Uh, guys, do we have any plans to go to Gaza anytime soon? We're going to Gaza. Uh, Brock has been to Gaza. Uh, no, I've never been to Gaza itself. I, I've been to Israel probably eight or so times. I've been to Southern Israel and sort of close enough uh, where you can see Gaza in the distance. I mean, obviously I would not go to Gaza now and it's, it's not safe for really anybody at this point. Um, Israel, by the way, is right now in the last vestiges of southern Gaza, Rafah, where Hamas has its last fighters. They believe the last amount of hostages, whoever might be alive, are there. Uh, they're in under, under an awful lot of pressure not to go in, but they've got to finish the job. They're right at the precipice of doing that, and maybe they can get some hostages back. I mean, they just got two hostages back a few days ago in Rafah, as the Biden administration was telling them not to go in. I mean, the, that whole thing is just a cluster F of, of craziness. Um, I don't really have a desire to go to Gaza, but I do hope that at the end of all of this, um, I think that, you know, I always talk about how we need a new generation of leadership here in America. I think Israel needs a new generation of leadership too. And I think they're young people who are virtually all fighting in the army or all part of this war one way or another. I think that there, there's gonna be a real uh, sort of reset and, and a new generation that will come to lead them. And, uh, and, I, and it looks like, I think it's almost complete. We have a meeting after the show. I think I will be in Israel for a week in March. So we'll have some more info on that. And I am gonna go down uh, to, the, to the kibbutz where, uh, well, there's several of them, uh, where the attacks took place and, and see some of that and, and, a, and a bunch more. Uh, Bob says, is there one destination you're looking forward to to take your boys when they're older? I'm personally uh, excited to take my kids out west to the Rocky Mountains and tour the national parks with them. Yeah, well, the national parks uh, would absolutely be awesome. Take them to the Grand Canyon, you know, that kind of stuff. How about this? I'll take a little flip on what you're saying. It would be nice if in, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 years, before I tell them that they're not going to college and they're pissed at me, uh, if before that, New York City has a reset and there is a flourishing New York City and I can take my kids to New York City and not feel like, they're gonna get attacked or stabbed or injected with fentanyl or anything else. And I can take them around the Upper West Side where I used to live and show them all the, the restaurants and the places that I used to live and that I used to go all the time. And hopefully I've turned my kids into big fans of Seinfeld and I can say, that's where this happened, that's where this happened, that's where he lived, that's where she lived, blah, blah, blah. That would be nice. Like the, otherwise the idea of like taking them to New York City now to go see amongst the filth and the migrants and the rest of it, like that doesn't seem very appealing to me. 
All right, people, that is the show for today. My full episode or my full interview with Tom Cotton that we did in DC, that's up across platforms. People of the internet at 1 p.m. And yes, I will ask Isabel that uh, TikTok question. Uh, that's at 1 p.m. And uh, that's all I've got for you other than I think we have some Joe Biden blunders for the yeah. good people right now. Joe Biden blundering, enjoy. How would you say your mental focus is? What's focused? <laughs> I, say it's, I think it's, I, I haven't, look. Let's get ready to bumble! Let me start off with two words. Made in America. I think it's a right for people to have bad health care. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him in uh, foot, foot. And Corn Pop was a bad dude. And he ran a bunch of bad boys. Wait, 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 wait. All men and women created by Go, you know the, you know the thing. If it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway. We went for two reasons. One, to... Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.